you got your Bibles, God, let's go back to 2 Kings chapter number 5. 2 Kings chapter number 5. And we begin introducing this story. Many of you have heard this. If you've been in, in church for any prolonged period of time, you've probably heard about Naaman uh, and his uh, uh, particular situation that's laid out here in 2 Kings chapter number 5. Uh, and we're looking at verse number 1. Uh, as we get down to this, uh, we're talking about stepping out in faith. Everybody say stepping out in faith. And I purposely capitalize in there because um, when you think about it, it's not stepping out necessarily on faith, but in faith. When you're stepping out in faith, then faith is a lifestyle. It's, it's, it's how you do life as a believer. And how many of you know that the scripture uh, says specifically that, that the just shall live by faith? Y'all recall that the just shall live by faith, not talk about faith, not sing about faith, but live by faith. That means the just shall live by faith. Those who've been justified in Christ Jesus should live a lifestyle that's that's patterned and modeled after faith. As a matter of fact, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Did y'all hear that? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The person who comes to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. But the sad reality is, guys, that many times in our own lives, in my life as a believer, in your life as a believer, there are many times that we are, we are not really stepping out in faith as we live our, our Christian journey here on earth. There are many times where we allow what we see in the natural to dictate and determine our mood, our disposition and how we're going to flow in life. Where God says it's important for us to recognize that when he saved us, he saved us to be men and women who live by faith, who learn how to step out in faith and live this life trusting in God and not in our individual intellect and our own circumstances. Are you all with me today? So we, we, we get back here to 2 Kings chapter 5 and we, we see uh, our, 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 the main character of this story, a guy by the name of Naaman. I t- shared with you on last week, Naaman was a great man. He was a national hero. He was a military guy. He was a mighty warrior. Uh, he was a man of courage and power. He was highly successful, a respected military and political leader, captain of the king's guard in Syria, commander of the Syrian army. The people loved him because he had brought victory to his nation and Naaman had it all. He was handsome, confident, wealthy, powerful, and influential. He was in high favor with the king. In fact, he was the king's right-hand man, I told you on last week. But he had a problem. He had a disease called leprosy. Everybody say leprosy. He had a disease known as leprosy and whenever you develop leprosy it apparently was in the beginning stages of it because ultimately during this period of time if somebody developed leprosy they would separate you from society they would put you in what a leper colony and 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 unless you receive healing you died in that leper colony but Naaman uh, came here and we look at look look at the words of our text um in, in, in verse one of this fifth chapter, and I'm going to I want to unpack some things as it relates to faith and how God made us, because I am convinced with all my heart, mind and soul that the average Christian hasn't grasped what it means to walk by faith or to walk in faith or to live in faith or to step out in faith. 
The average believer does not have a faith walk because we know that the scriptures tell us that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are what not seen. They're not seen in the natural. So if you don't understand how God made you as a as a as a as a three part being spirit, soul and body and that God, we connect with God in our spirit, not in our intellect, and in our emotions and our body. We connect with him by way of our spirit. If you don't understand that, then you won't you won't understand how to connect with God and you'll live your life based off of what you see in your individual environments. And what I'm telling you is, is if we if we look at the the men or women of faith that are laid out in Hebrews 11 chapter, which is commonly referred to as the wall hall of fame of faith, people who did things, who accomplished things, who were able to move with God when it didn't look like they were able to move with God. If I can see it, I can figure it out. It ain't faith. I said it ain't faith. That's my southern colloquialism coming out right there. It is not faith if you can see it. So let me ask you a question. How much of your life do you live moving on things that you can't see? I will submit to you that the average Christian, amen, has gotten to a point, especially in today's environment and culture, where if we can't see it, we ain't believing it. And if we can't figure it out, if we can't emotionally feel it, then we don't move. But I'm here to tell you, God has designed you as a Christian not to move and not to step out based off of your emotional uh, uh, quotient or your or your feelings or your intellect. God has designed you as a believer to learn how to step out in faith. And that's different for us. That requires us changing all of us. Can I get a witness? I was sharing with Maria, a couple of you folks I was sharing with you. That one of the things that 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 I'm 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 having to do, uh, having to do, I, I chose to do, and I thank God I did do it. Is I'm changing uh, uh, my the accounting software from what I was accustomed to a desktop to an online version. Now here's the problem with that with me, okay? Because once I got used to what I was used to, it it was uncomfortable to change to what I wasn't used to. As a matter of fact. I made an attempt to change back in 2021 the software that I was utilizing. And I, and, 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 and I, I downloaded it. I paid for it. And then when I started looking around at it, it, it calls for me to learn a lot of new stuff. You hear me, Edith? I had to learn a lot of new stuff. And, and, and as I was trying to learn that new stuff, I still had the responsibility I had to do, amen, with the software in order to get people paid, in order to, to have the accounting system where it needs to be. And, and I made up in my mind, Doris, in 2021, I, I'll just stay with what I got. I'm going to stay exactly where I am because I was used to it, Brother Darren. I was used to it. I was used to what I was used to. And to change required me to get out of my comfort zone. I hope y'all are listening to me today. But the reality is, as I've made up my mind, I told her, I'm going to learn this and I'm going to I'm going to go through these tutorials. I'm going to figure out how to utilize this, because everything that I was reading online was saying that people who switch from desktop to the online version were saying, man, they made a world of difference. You can automate different things. And they were they were cooking with grease, if you will, because they had changed from desktop call to online. But here I am in 2021. Say, ah, it's, it's too uncomfortable. It's not what I'm used to. I thought about uh, uh, um, a scripture uh, that Jesus uh, quoted uh, in, uh, in Luke 5. Can we go there right quick? Before I, I know this is a little sideboard, but I got to set you up for the lesson. Amen. Everybody say, Pastor, set me up. All right. Go to Luke, the fifth chapter. 
verse number 33. Because if we're going to go with God, we have to be open to God's leading and God's changing in our life. Because you can't grow without changing. Hello? I need you to quote this with me. Say, I can't grow without changing. And God is trying to change all of us. I tell you, I went back. I had paid for the other thing. I, 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 I tried for about two, two, two days. Two days, y'all. I mean, literally, I tried it for two days and gave up. Because what I was used to was comfortable. But Jesus said the same thing. Watch this. In Luke, the fifth chapter, let's look down at verse number 33. And I want you to think about yourself. Don't think about anybody else. I'm telling you about me. But some of y'all got some of the same testimony and story when God is trying to move you in a different direction. But you, 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 you said the old is better. Watch the text. One day, some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly. And so did the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? What's Watch this, guy. You know, people are always watching you, whether you know it or not. When you name the name of Christ, people are watching what you do. Here is religious leaders. Some people that say, why are your disciples always eating and drinking? So that, that tells me right now, I'm in the same company with Jesus. He did a lot of eating and drinking. <laughs> Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them. And then they were fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment will be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruin the skin. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Go to the KJV. I love the way the KJV reads on this particular passage scripture in verse number 37 through 39. If you can flip that over to me to the King James Version scripture, I would appreciate it. It says, and no man put a new wine in the old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled and the bottle shall perish. I think about this for a second. If you have the old mindset when new teaching comes, it's not new teaching, but it's revelation to you. If, 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 if you don't learn how to adapt, amen, then you, your head will burst. I mean, when it comes trying to figure God out in your natural way of thinking. Look at the next verse. It says, it says this. Um, but new wine must be put into new bottles and both are preserved. Watch this. Next verse says this. No man also having drunk old wine, everybody say straightway. Straightway means immediately. Desireth new. For what does he say? The old is better. Some of y'all got cars that need to have been put away and put to bed 15 years ago. But you says the old is better. All these newfangled cars, they didn't even have a tape player anymore. Y- y'all know tape players been gone for a long time. These new cars, whatever, I, I'm, I'm going to stay with old bets. And if you want to stay with old bets, that's fine. But let me tell you something. There, at some point in time, you're going to have to replace old Bessie. Because anything that man makes wears out. We, we can take this analogy right here and apply it to any other area of our life. Many times, we're try, people are trying to get us to move, whether it's a new phone. Some of y'all still got the iPhone 6. Some of y'all still got a flip phone. Any flip phone is in the house? 
I hope none of y'all still have a rotary phone. If anybody still got a rotary, y'all know the rotary. Do you know the rotary phone? You, you do. Where you. Anybody remember those? See, no man, it says here, having tasted, drunk the old wine, straightway desired the new. He says the old is better. So what I'm telling you is, is that the same thing that happened in Jesus' life, Jesus was trying to teach the, those who grew up under Judaism, uh, who, who had the system of the law and the system of the high priest going into the holies of holies and sacrificing a, a blood sacrifice for the sin of the people, they were used to and accustomed to that. But Jesus came and said, now I am that sacrifice. I am the Lamb of God who came to give his life for, for mankind so that man could have a relationship with him. And not only that, he went, before, he went beyond it and said, listen, God's, the gospel was first to the Jew, but it was also to the Gentiles. And that disrupted the Jews so much. They, they even tried to, they even killed some people. Paul had the same issue because he was taking, amen, amen, the, the, the plan of God that was revealed in the New Testament, but they were used to what they were used to. And God says, my plan all along was this, but I revealed it in stages. How many of y'all know that sometimes in our lives, God will reveal stuff to us now that he didn't reveal 10 years ago? Because in, in all honesty, we weren't even ready. We were not ready. So what am I saying with this? To learn how to walk by faith, it's going to require us to change the way we do life. We are naturally coming to this world living by what we see and walking by what we see. But the faith journey requires us to step out in a dimension that is foreign to us in our natural bent. But God designed us to work that way. And if the church is going to accomplish all the things that God designed for it to accomplish, I, as your pastor and God as your savior, need you to learn how to step out in faith. Everybody say, step out in faith. Now, let's get back to our text again. Here we see this guy who was well thought of, this guy who had a high position, this guy who was uh, in 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, who, who, who had leprosy. But the thing about this guy was, is that there was a servant girl, a servant lady in his house who knew about a prophet from the land in which she was taken from. Because what would happen is uh, these, these, uh, these, these foreign countries would oftentimes come in and raid Israel and then take people captive. And they had taken this young servant girl captive but she still knew about her God and knew about the man of God. Are y'all with me today? So the text says this uh, in verse number one, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. Watch this. Through him, through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. This Gentile king, the Lord had given him great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. Are y'all still with me today? Let's keep reading. Text says this next verse. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Now, now this, this, this young lady here knew about Elisha. And she testified 
about how God was working and moving through his prophet, his man of God in Samaria. Uh, let's go to the next verse, if you will. Um, he would, so Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Now it was thought that those, in those days and times, if you went to a, another king and you approached him, you had to come bearing gifts. That's where that, that, that statement that says a man's gift will make room for him. That's actually what he's talking about. Now, we use it in a spiritual context in saying that your spiritual gift will ultimately make room for you when people recognize that you are gifted in a certain area, right? But, but in actuality, that, it, it, the base rule of that has to do with this because if you come to the king bearing gifts, you get an audience before the king, right? Aren't y'all glad that you don't have to bring me $100 for me to tell you what God told me to tell you? <laughs> now, some churches you might have to pay to talk to your pastor. But you don't have to pay to talk to your pastor. Some of y'all still running from it, even though it's free. <laughs> I love you. All right. So, but again, when you approach the king, you bring gifts, and those gifts made room for you or gave you an audience before that man of authority. Are y'all with me? But one thing that they, they didn't recognize is that, see, when God is moving, when God is in a situation, your money can't get you anywhere with God. I tell y'all before, as a pastor, I don't care how much you give in the church. I don't measure your importance by, by based off of your giving. You ought to give. We Listen, at this church, everybody say this church. At this church, we follow God's plan for giving. We have these boxes over here when you can give on the way out. Or most of y'all, 65% of y'all give online, right? That's cool too. But, but your giving, amen, doesn't determine your importance. I told you before, your title in the world don't, imp- don't determine your importance in the church. Amen. All right? That's why I can preach freely because I don't trust in people. I trust in God. If a big giver get, leaves, God will bring 10 more in. Can I get a witness? So I'm not bound by, by ooh, if I say that, he's going to get mad. He's going to take his check. But take it! I never trust man. I trust God. And let me tell you, and I've said before, and I've testified to this fact, God has every year increased the budget of this church because we chose to do it his way. We're not going to beg you. We're not going to twist your arm. I'm going to teach you and exhort you. And if you want to follow God, you follow him. But God is so faithful to this church. Everybody say he's faithful. Now, now watch, watch. Can we get back? All right. So, so we have this girl who's been taken into captivity, but now she, she's telling her, 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 her owner, about, about a man in her hometown, a God man who could heal him. Now, how many of y'all would have sat there and said, mm-hmm, I'm over here. Y'all captured me during this war. Die of leprosy. <laughs> Some of y'all wouldn't have told him anything, wouldn't you? But here this girl speaks the truth to him. The king gives him, amen, all this, all this stuff. He took this stuff with him. But then the text says in verse number seven, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. He's trying to start something. How many of y'all got people in your life who, when you come around, they're trying to start something, always trying to start something. 
dropping little sayings and stuff to try to provoke you. Here's what the king uh, uh, in Israel thought. He thought this guy telling me to do something that he know I don't have the capacity to do. He was right. He did not have the capacity to do it. But this was a God thing unfolding here. There are illustrations that's going to come out of Naaman's story that we can learn from. Things that were written in the Old Testament were written for our admonition and for our instruction. They were recorded so that we could learn how God was moving and working with his people. And just like he was working with them then, he's working with his people now. Can I get a witness? Watch the text, okay? It says this, but but, it, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. Now, he's talking pretty strong, isn't he? He, he says, that, send Naaman to me and he will learn that there's a true prophet here in Israel. Let's keep going. Let's go. Text says it, but so, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. Verse number nine, go to verse number 10. It says what? Can y'all read with me? All right, but now watch, let's back up because here, here's where this story hits, hits many of you all here and many who are listening to me uh, via live stream. He says, but Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. So let's watch his response here. In verse number 11. Are you there with me? Let's read together. Verse number 11 says what? All right. He became angry because God's man told him to do something that was unusual. Now we get into the heart of it. We're going to see at the end of this lesson that one of the, one of the reasons why Naaman probably was still operating in leprosy because he had, a, he had the sin of pride operating in his life. Watch the text. Pride can be a very destructive thing. As a matter of fact, the Bible quite often talks about the sin of pride. But let's, let's, let's do this, and I'm going to get you some scripture on pride right quick. Let's look at this. How many of y'all have had your way of thinking about how God should have done a certain thing? Listen, I, I, I've always thought that God should have made me a millionaire 20 years ago. Of course, I'm not a millionaire now, but God don't have a problem with being a millionaire. But if, if, if I'd have had my way, I would have been a millionaire funding ministry, just writing checks for ministry, it, it, that, that incredible ministry. I want, listen, I want resources so I can pour into ministry, to pour into people's lives. Some of y'all want resources so you can have big stuff. Nothing wrong with having big stuff, but what is your motive for doing what you're doing? God is interested in the why behind your what. Can I get a witness? The why behind your what. Sometimes we think God should move a certain way, but my experience is say that God moves the, in, in, in the old church, they used to sing a song, you know the Lord, he moves in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. See, I've, I've noticed that God does things that, that is contrary to man's thinking because if he did it the way man thought all the time, man would try to take the credit. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells me God chose the foolish things of this world to do what? To confound the wise. Why? So that no flesh could glory in his presence. So God will take something that seems to be trivial, mundane, not of much value, and use it to turn the world upside down. Amen. Watch the text. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought, everybody say, stop thinking. Now again, listen, operating by faith don't mean that you, that you, don't, you, you don't have good sense. 
Operating by faith means that I don't trust what I see. I trust what I believe. And I believe the word of God. The word of God says I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me. And every time somebody comes and try to tell me something different, I don't believe what they told me. I believe what the word of God says. And I don't, I don't stand around and, 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 and ponder whoa, 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 what the people going to think. I don't care what they think because sometimes faith looks crazy. Amen. I told you before, the, 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 the battle cry for, for, for Joshua at Jericho was march around the city one time a day. Don't say a word. Don't, don't, don't open your big mouth. Do that for what? Six days. All right. And on the seventh day, I want you to watch around that city seven times. And then I want you to shout. Are y'all with me? I want you to shout. And then what happened when they found that bot? That battle strategy was not very, I don't know if I would have had confidence in it, but that's what God told me to do. There are going to be times in your life, if you're going to step out in faith, that you're going to have to learn how to move with God rather than your own intellect. Now, there are times your intellect may match up with God, but I've found that faith means that I can't see it. I heard a guy say this the other day, and uh, I think it's, it's worth, bears worth repeating. The scripture we quote all the time, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. Y'all remember that scripture? So if he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think, that means that God is moving at a level that's above my thinking. If I can even think to ask about it, God is already moving at that level. He's doing stuff that I can't even imagine. He's working out in a way that I, in a million years, thought of to work it out that way. I've got to learn how to trust him because he's moving in a dimension that sometimes is above my thinking. So the question becomes, if I can ask it and think about it, then maybe that ain't even God. Now, it's not an excuse for not planning, but what I'm saying is that God operates above what I can even ask or think. Has God ever done anything in your life? Can I get a witness? Has you ever done anything in your life in a way that, that you wouldn't have in a million years thought of it to do it that way? Has God, has God connected you with people who you, growing up, you would say, there's no way in the world I would have had, give that person uh, two minutes out of my day. But now you're connecting with them, moving with them, doing ministry with them, serving with them. Because God has now did something that you didn't even think was even possible. Stepping out in faith. Everybody say stepping out in faith. Now watch, watch, watch. Okay. So Naaman gets angry. How many of y'all got angry because the man of God told you to do something that you didn't want to do? I need some hands raised up in this place. I mean, the preach word came and there were some things you didn't want to do because you, was, you, you, you said the old wine was better. Huh? No man having drunk old straightway desires a new because he says the old is better. Hello? Some of you ladies dating young men who you probably need to get some new wine. <laughs> Figuratively speaking, okay? <laughs> Are you with me? Figuratively speaking. Sometimes you get used to a certain thing and, 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 and isn't it amazing how you seem to attract the same kind of dude Hello? Isn't it amazing that, 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 that you, all the guys you date talk to you crazy? 
and abusive to you verbally and or maybe physically? Why do you keep picking that kind of dude? I submit to you a lot of times it's because you hadn't dealt with what's on the inside of you, your insecurities and, your, and, and, and the things that, that make you the way you are. And you, when you learn how to get free in Christ Jesus, you'll have a spirit of discernment and then know where that joke is coming from. Are y'all with me today? Can I keep moving? Watch this. I got to go. Lord Jesus, my time is running. So the text says this. But it's off, Naaman turned away and went away and raised, but his officer tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured. It's good to have people around you who can talk to you, who can talk to you out of your silliness, who can talk to you out of your stubbornness, who can talk to you, talk to you about your pride and your, and your, and your, and your, and your, and your way of doing life. You need somebody in your life who will say, now listen, you know better than that. What have we learned in Bible class? What have we learned on Sunday mornings? What does what the word of God say about that issue? Pride will cause you not to move with God. As a matter of fact, pride is a very serious sin. So Naaman, amen, thankfully listened to the guys who were around him, those who were subservient to him. The, the Bible says this, uh, in verse number uh, number 14. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. Now again, remember Naaman had said that I got rivers back home. Aren't they better than this old dirty, nasty Jordan River? As a matter of fact, if I go to the Jordan River, the muddy Jordan, I may catch some kind of disease that I don't already have. But see, when God told him to do it, the man of God told him to do it. What he's doing is he's, he's, he's trying to get him to see that, that, that if you learn how to just take me at my word, that I will do things in your life that is beyond your comprehension. Learning how to walk by faith. So the Bible says this. He says this. Uh, he went down to Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept the gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Let's stop right there and we're going to park here just for a second, okay? Some things I want to share with you. Naaman's experience with Elisha illustrates to us the gracious work of God in saving lost sinners. Uh, I, I, you know, number one, in your outline, Naaman needed the Lord. How many of y'all know he needed the Lord? Naaman needed the Lord because he came from a Gentile region, a Gentile area, and, and his country, his, his people did not have covenant with God. Actually, you're going to see here that Naaman, and I don't have time to read the rest of the story, but I pray that you will read it when you get to to your homes, is that uh, Naaman uh, made a, a, a decree. He knew he had to go back and he was have to serve his king, and that king was still worshiping idol gods. And, and, and Naaman made a declaration that, hey, listen, I, I, I really got to do this because that, that's my reporting officer, but you, I, I need you to know that, that I, I believe in your God. Transformation not only took place in his physical body, but transformation took place in his approach to the God of Israel. Are y'all with me today? So uh, when we look at this, Watch this. Some things. So it's an illustration of God's work 
in saving lost sinners. Number one, Naaman needed the Lord. And people in this lost world that we live in, they may not recognize it, but they need the Lord. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. And God saved us, put his Savior's love in our hearts so that we could go out and share our story, which we're going to do this Wednesday from our rooted study. We're going to need to share our story with people so they can know what God has done in our lives. Not only that, but he was seeking the Lord. But then he began to resist the Lord like many of us did before we came to Jesus. How many of y'all were told about Jesus but rejected it the first time you heard it? Let me see your hand. Put my hand. I mean, I, I knew I was, I was in church, but I didn't. And people talked about Jesus and living for Jesus. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to hear that. I just like, we're just supposed to go to church. I go to church. Am I, am I all right? No, just come to church. do will make you all right. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. And so we see where he resisted the Lord, but then he trusted the Lord after having encouragement from his own servants to go and do what the man of God told you to do. And then he began serving the Lord. So, so, so go, go to Ephesians, the third chapter right quick. And this is what I want, the heart of my time is left. I'm going to, I want to unpack this part of our, our learning. And I need you to pay close attention here. Okay. Because if I'm going to step out in faith, I got to understand how to do so. Go to Ephesians chapter number three. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 14. Ephesians 3, verse 14. Uh, uh, before you get to 14, back up to verse 6. I love this passage. This is what we learned um, as we look at the wholeness of God's plan. Okay? The wholeness of God's plan for salvation. God's plan of salvation, again, challenged the Jews because they were used to Judaism. They were used to the, the, the system of laws, the system of uh, animal sacrifice. They've been doing it all their lives. But Jesus comes in and says there is a new way to relate to God. It's been God's plan all along. The old was just a schoolmaster to bring you up to the point of faith. The old was just a teacher to get your minds right about relating to God. That was never fully God's plan for mankind because God, in order to bring the Savior into the earth realm, he had to choose a people group to bring him through. And he chose the Jewish ethnic group to birth the Savior into the earth realm. But it was never God's plan that salvation would be only for the Jews. Are y'all with me today? Watch this. Watch this. Are y'all with me? Can we read? Everybody said, let the Bible talk. Or we will let it talk. Everybody said, let it do what, make it do, let it do what it do. All right. That's a little Ray Charles reference for those who, who are not socially and culturally inclined. Doris, you know what I was talking about, don't you? Let's make it do what it do, all right? We don't have to make it. Let's just let it do what it do. The verse says this in verse number six, and this is God's plan. Everybody said, this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Both of them, Jews and Gentiles. Now again, remember from a biblical perspective, there were two ethnic groups, Jew or Gentile. If you were not a Jew, you were a Gentile. And Gentile makes up all the other ethnic groups besides Jews. Biblically speaking, y'all with me? Now, the gospel was for the Jew first and then the Greek or the Gentile. God's plan was, I got to use somebody to birth the Savior into the earth realm. I'm going to work with my people. I'm going to protect the seed 
the seed of Abraham that I promised him when I told him in Genesis, I think it's the 12th chapter, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, many nationalities. He had to protect the seed to get him to be born in a manger in Bethlehem, to tabernacle down here on this earth for 33 and a half years, go to the cross of Calvary, die a sacrificial death, bury it, resurrect the third day morning with all power in his hand so that you and I could have a right to the tree of life. I don't know about you, but I thank God for what Jesus did. Can I get a witness? I thank God for his plan. The text says this. Uh, they share equally in, in the riches inherited by God. Children both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Paul says, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. Now, again, remember, remember this. His Jewish brethren, because they were used to the old wine, didn't think that the new was better. They said, we want the old. And they got upset with Paul. Many times they were seeking to kill Paul because Paul said, this message is not just for Jews. It's for all mankind. This message is for Jew and Greek, Jew and Gentile. Are y'all tracking with me today? Look at verse number 10. Skip down. Now, now back up. Verse number 8. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone what? Y'all not reading with it. This what? That God, the creator of all things, had did what? Paul says, I have been given the privilege of explaining this mysterious plan that had been kept hidden from the beginning. What are you saying, Brother Pastor? Well, there were some things that under old covenant dispensation, the people of God didn't fully understand. What was that? They didn't fully understand that the gospel was for all mankind and not just Jews. They knew that there was a Messiah that was coming, but in their minds, that was our Messiah. In their minds, we have privilege with God that nobody else has, and we don't want to give it up. We don't want anybody else. If you come, you got to join, you got to be a Jew in order to to join in. But here we see the mysterious plan is revealed. It had been kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose, verse 10, in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He used the church to display his what? His wisdom in its rich variety. What is rich variety? That means all kinds of ethnic groups are in the church. Revelation says around the throne of God, around the throne of Christ, there will be men from every tongue, tribe, and nation worshiping, serving God. So if in heaven, around the throne, every men from every tongue, tribe, and nation will be serving God, why is it in the church we try to separate? Paul said, my mission is to go and take this to the Gentiles and his own people. His own people want to kill him. Now, let me ask you a question. Is your ethnicity more important than God's will for your life? Now, here's the beauty of it, guys. God never calls on us to denounce or to put away our ethnicity. As a matter of fact, he wants to celebrate it. He wants to celebrate it because he says right here, God's purpose in all this was to use what? The church. He wants to use what? The church to do what? To display his wisdom in its rich variety. When they see the church 
and they see the variety of people coming together, serving together, not bickering and fighting like the world does. When they see us with, with common cause and common purpose, going out and ministering, sharing the love of Christ, it's going to be a testimony not only to those who are in the world, but it's going to be a testimony to those who are in the unseen rulers of fires in the heavenly place. What are those? Those are all those demonic spirits that fell with Satan. See, God has now proven that through his son, Jesus Christ, his wisdom is far exceeds the wisdom of Satan. They thought they did a, 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 a great thing when they, when they sacrificed Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in one other place that had they known by crucifying Christ that you and I would be sitting up in this church together, they never would have did it. Oh, glory to God. Had they known by crucifying Christ, you and I would be saved. You and I would have a relationship, Jew and Gentile. Never would have done it. So God's wisdom is on display when the church really becomes the church. And really, amen, step aside and say, let's celebrate our cultures. We can celebrate our culture, but let's not put our culture above Christ. Can I get a witness? Let's not make that an idol God. And let me tell you something. You better be careful. You can make anything an idol God. You can make yourself an idol God. You can make your spouse an idol God. You can make your children an idol God. You can make money an idol God. You can make your career an idol God. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Whatever that is caused you to, to adhere to that rather than adhering to God's word. So, so okay. All right. Watch this. Watch this. Let's read, skip down with me. I, I got to go. Verse 13. Well, now, let's, verse 12. I'm sorry. Can we read? Will y'all read with me? Verse 12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Verse 14. Let's go. It says what? When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his what? His spirit. Um, in the case of his use the word strengthen. Strengthen is the Greek word for uh, kratos, 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 K-R-A-T-O-S, which means ruling power. God wants you to have ruling power in your inner man and in your spirit. Let me, let me explain something to you right quick. Okay, y'all follow with me. Man is a triune being created after the image and the likeness of his creator God. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are, man is first and foremost spirit. Uh, we have a soul and we live in a body. So we're, we're, we're three-part being. He, he, man consists of, again, three distinct yet intricately related dimensions. Each dimension is designed to fulfill a specific purpose in God's plan for his creation. Each part of man... Listen to me, each part of man, each part of man is designed with the possibility or potential to maximize its function and fulfill its intended purpose. What does that, what does that mean to maximize something, Pastor? What it means to make as big or as large as possible, to make the most of. But here's something that most people in general, and Christians in particular, don't understand. The potential or possibility of each dimension each part of man can't be understood apart from its source. Okay? So what is the source? God. You can't understand spirit, soul, and body apart from God. 
When God created man, he created him a spirit being with a physical body. Then God placed him on this physical earth. God purposed and intended to rule and dominate this physical realm from the invisible realm through his prized creation, mankind. God designed to have his kingdom extended from heaven to earth by allowing his spirit to reign through man's spirit as a man, as man dominated earth. He told him, he told him uh, uh, when he first created man to, to rule over the earth. Do y'all recall that? He told him to rule over the earth. Now, God purposed again, was to, to, to let mankind rule to bring kingdom agenda from heaven to the earth. That's why Jesus said, pray thy kingdom, thy kingdom, in the model prayer, thy kingdom what? Thy will be what? Done where? On earth as it what? So let me ask you a question. If Jesus told us to pray that, then shouldn't we want his kingdom to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Right? Shouldn't we want what God says my way of doing things in heaven, I want it to be done here on earth. Can I get a witness? All right. So he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. The kingdom agenda is God's rulership being displayed in our life. God's rulership, amen, being evident to those who we're in relationship with. Are y'all still with me? So watch this. Three things here. And you outline. I think I think I'm putting you outline. Watch this. Man is a triune being. Okay created after the image and likeness of his creator God. The triune nature of man is designed for the following purpose. Number one, man's spirit. You have a spirit, and through your spirit, you relate to God. Everybody say, I relate to God through my spirit. Not through your emotions. I know that sometimes we cry. I know sometimes we get overwhelmed. But truly, you can cry and not be connecting with God. You come to church, you see them, oh, they cry, oh, they just, the Lord just touching them. No, they, 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 they crying because their husband left them. <laughs> or whatever they're doing. Emotions don't mean that you're connecting with God. See, in the old church, there were times when, we, when somebody got emotional and they shouted, we said, oh, the Holy Ghost got them now. Ooh, she got the Holy Ghost. How you got the Holy Ghost to catch it? He's, he should feel you. All right. So we got to get to the point where we understand that we connect with God, not through our emotions, but through our spirit. Now, emotions are a part of us, but your spirit, man, is is what relates to God. Man has a soul. Okay, to relate. The soul is to relate to the mental and the emotional realm, our intelligence and man's body is to relate to the physical environment. God did not intend for the body to relate to the spiritual or the supernatural world. Therefore, it's of the utmost importance that we don't judge our potential or our ability to do exceeding abundant above all that we can actually think based on our abilities and our limitations in this physical body. There are some things that physically it doesn't look like you should be able to do, but God will, it will empower you to be able to do it through his Holy Spirit. Our five senses, hear me carefully, our five senses are specifically designed to pick up our natural environment. Our power to see, touch, hear, smell, and taste are all related to the natural, physical world. The potential of our bodies, hear me carefully, is therefore governed by its physical capabilities. But here's what we we have to understand. God never intended 
for man, his, his prized creation, man who saved to be controlled or limited by his physical body. You were not created to be intimidated by your environment. So what are you, what are you saying, brother pastor? Well, many times we stop believing God based off what we see in the environment. How many of y'all stop believing God that you'll be able to sow that seed he told you to sow because you look at your bank account? Let me ask you a question right now. If God came to you and spoke to your spirit and says, I want you to write a check for $20,000 right now. How many of y'all would need some faith? How many of y'all would need some faith? Well, there's two reasons why you would need faith. Number one, if you don't have it, right? If you don't have $20,000 you can just write and give away right now, you need some faith. Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things that are what? Not seen. You look at your bank account, there was $235.40 in there. You need some faith. Now, faith don't mean you go and write a $20,000 check and say, oh, bless the Lord, he's going to make it happen. No, they're going to come get you. All you super spiritual folk out there. But what am I saying? If God told you to write the $20,000 check, can you believe him for the $20,000? That's the question. If God told you to do a thing, will you allow your fears, your doubt, your insecurities to take place and precedent over what God told you? Then you get scared. I got scared trying to transform to a new software because I said the old was better. And the new was going to cause me Shauna to have to do some stuff that was uncomfortable. See, Naaman was told to do something that didn't make sense to him. He said, I got rivers back in my hometown that's better than this old nasty Jordan River. But that's what God's man told him to do. Go dip how many times? Seven times. The number of completion. Dipped seven times in the Jordan River. And once he was convinced, sometimes you have to be convinced. You need some people in your, in your life who are going to talk faith to you. You don't need people in your life who are going to talk doubt to you. Hello? Stop surrounding yourself with doubting Thomases. Yeah, you may have something that you minister to, but don't, all your friends don't need to be friends with somebody. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, that must have been the devil that told you about that $20,000 because, you know, you ain't got it. You ain't going to never have it. Have you ever had it? Have you ever had it? No, no, I don't ever have it, but God told me to do it, and God's going to make a way for it to happen. And little did you know that your aunt, amen, who, 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 who retired from, from, from her job after working for 40 years and wanted to bless, she didn't have any children of her own, she wanted to bless all of her nieces and nephews with $40,000. You didn't know that was coming, but it came, amen, a week later, and then now it came, and you got the $40,000 that you could have to write that check. But you said, uh. <laughs> Let me tell you something. God is able to do what? Exceeding? Abundantly, what? According what? Let, let, let me keep reading here. Verse number 17, then Christ, in, 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 back to Ephesians uh, 3, and I got to get out of here. So, so man is spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in body. You cannot relate to God out of your emotion realm and the physical realm. It's your spirit man that connects with God. The Bible says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. 
The spirit man is what's reborn, not your flesh. You still have the same body. You look the same way before you were saved, physically speaking. Your emotional realm has to be renewed. Your mind, your way of thinking has to be renewed. But it's the spirit man that God takes up residence in. And that's how he relates to us via our spirit. So if you're trying to relate to him emotionally, sometimes, I'll tell you, sometimes I don't feel like praising him. But I praise him anyhow because my praise is not predicated on how I feel. It's predicated on how good he is and how good he's been to me. I'm going to praise him even when I don't feel like it. Because my praise, you said, well, that's faking. No, it ain't faking because I'm going to praise him not because I feel good. I'm praising him because he is good. I remember what he did for me. I know he's made a way out of no way. I know he's turned some midnights in the day. I know he's healed my body. I know he healed her body. I know he caused a breakthrough financially in our life. I'm going to praise him because he's good. Not because I'm so good. Or not because I feel good. Are y'all with me? Watch, watch this. I gotta get out of here. So when we look at this, guys, understand this. Look at verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you as you trust. Christ will make his home in your hearts as you do what? As you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should. Guess what? How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. See, some of y'all are sitting there right now, and you think because of what you've done and, and how you've fallen that God can't use you now. I'm here to tell you, God's love goes beyond you. And God's love for you is not predicated on how good you are. Otherwise, none of us can be saved. It's not based on how good we are. It's based on how good he is. God wants to use you. And some of y'all have taken a back seat and, and just and, and said, okay, I'm just going to chill. No, don't chill. God wants to use you to reach people. And he can use you to reach people when you're open to him. Can I get a witness? Guys, I'm telling you, this is important. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully under, to understand fully. I can't understand how God still loves me. When I know me, better, not, better than you know me. And you probably can't understand how God could really love you the number of times you failed him and fallen short, but he still does. I can't explain it. It's so amazing. The Lord keeps on blessing me. I don't deserve it, but he keeps on doing it. I'm not worthy, but he keeps on doing it. I, 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 I'm not even fit to live, but he keeps on doing it, guys. He loves us and wants the very best for us and wants to use us to advance his kingdom agenda. Now, next week, here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump on this last part here. Because I'm going to talk about pride next week. I got some scriptures on pride. Didn't say, get some day. We're going to talk about the sin of pride. That's the first thing that hinders us from stepping out in faith is the sin of pride. Naaman had pride. And his pride almost robbed him of his blessing until he listened to those who were even in his company, those men who he had the military rank above, they talked some sense into him. My question to you, do you have somebody in your life who you trust to tell you the truth and then you not just go ballistic on them? Do you have somebody in your life 
who can speak to you about the journey of faith and not just how you feel? Do you have somebody in your life who you trust to pour into you who wants the very best for you? Listen, I'm going to tell you, as your pastor, I love every last one of you all, and I'm going to keep preaching truth to you. I'm going to keep encouraging you. I'm going to keep exhorting you because I can't let you stay in a place that's comfortable. This, this, this whole thing that I was telling you, I've been dealing with this week with this, this software, was a, God says, I'm teaching you something, son, something that you need to teach and continue to share with your people. You can get comfortable with the old when God is trying to do something new in your life. And anything that's going to grow has to change. Can I get a witness? A hundred member church can't operate the same way a 500 member church operates. It it, it calls for differences. Are you with me? If it's only two of y'all, I mean, you can work some things out. But if it's 5,000, you got to work differently. You got to have a system in place. You got to have... You know, a, a way to deal with and integrate all those people together so it moves differently, which means there has to be change. In your own life, there has to be change to grow and develop and move at the level that God wants you to move at. So we're going to learn how to step out in faith. Next week, we're going to unpack it because pride is a sin that's so sneaky. It'll have you thinking you're all right when you're really not all right. I want to get you to move. That old wine. Amen. You say it's better. But Jesus says, I got new wine that I want to pour into you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.